Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, listeners, as you will note, you, we are a day early in your feed. If you've been subscribed for a while, you'll notice that. And that's because we are switching up the the day we record and the day that we put the podcast out due to some uh, you know life and work situations. So we're going to be putting the podcast out on Fridays for uh, the next while here. And so uh, that means we'll be shifting what we cover. So we'll be covering shows um, Thursday through the next Wednesday on each podcast. So, for example... Uh, today, as you guys get this in your feeds, there was a new episode of Superstore last night. Um, so all, all the Thursday shows are starting to come back. Well, not all, but a bunch of them. And uh, and there's, uh, as well as, you know, some of our Friday TV as well, like Bake Off and all that. So by the time you guys get this in your feed, we will be, I guess, technically like a day behind on Bake Off. And, uh, and then we'll be on the previous week's Thursday shows, but um, we figured rather than holding the podcast next day and just not talking about Thursday, we'd bump it everything back a day. So, uh, Noel, uh, <laughs> I would ask, how's it going today? But if you're anything like me, it's a tense week, and hopefully it'll be less tense next week, unless it's not. Uh, so, how about instead, uh, do you have any suggestions for listeners looking to de-stress over the ne- next few days one way to de-stress for me anyway is even though like i i didn't watch it this summer but like you can go watch shiharafuru and just Mm -hmm. bask in that um which is a terrific anime that i made kate watch a couple years ago oh it's like um yeah it's so nice it's so sweet just kind of washes over you um it's very relaxing except when it's not it's very intense (laughs) um but it's very intense in that fun accessible way um Let's see. What else relaxes me? Um, my video game about a post-apocalyptic America where Norman Reedus is trying to deliver packages is very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the postman? It's the postman, but without Kevin Costner and Norman Reedus instead. And Mads Mikkelsen being yeah, super the, fucking hot. That's a big part of it. He's so yeah. hot in that game. He's so I mean, hot in that game. You couldn't have Mads Mikkelsen in a thing and not have that happen i mean like they're they probably weren't even going for that but they're just like well what are you supposed to do we cast west mickelson so no 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 no. they're absolutely supposed to be going for that i legitimately (laughs) think hideo kojima has a massive crush on mads mickelson which fair Mm -hmm. um but what about you what how, how are you relaxing a little bit as we enter this final stretch well i'm keeping busy which is yeah me too I've got a, like, I've a mid a massive closet project that mm-hmm. has been overdue. Um, so that's going to be a chunk of my weekend. I've got some, I've got a and d game going on Saturday for most of my non-working Saturday, which will help. I, I mean, the number one thing I would recommend is vote. Go vote. If you haven't voted, if you are as, you know, eligible to vote in the United States and you haven't done that, you, you, sh- you should do that. It'll make you feel good. Um uh, drop your mail and ballot off in person or go yeah. in person uh, with your masks and all. And all. Uh, but, you know, maybe you'll get surprised by Paul Rudd, 
who was handing out cookies in the rain today in Brooklyn. He was he went up to one of the voting lines and was handing out cookies to people standing there with their umbrellas getting wet. Uh, thank you for voting. Thank you for voting. So, like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So that's the number one thing. But also, uh, I have found it very helpful to, you know, connect in with uh, I have the new podcast I've been listening to um, that I'm sure everybody else already knows about. It's called You're, the, uh, You're Wrong About. And it's uh, just, like, two investigative journalists talking about different things that, like, most people are like, oh, yeah, that's a thing where, like, this, right? And then one of them has done a bunch of research on it, and they say, like, yes, so you're, you're right about that, but here's what you're wrong about. And then they go into the history about it. Um, so that's been delightful. So, like, find a thing. So whether it's, yeah. you know, video game, Matt Smickelson and Norman Reedus, or... Uh, what, what's the video game everybody's playing? Uh, the 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 online one, Among Us, mafia game. Among Us is very popular right now. Um, Hades is also very very popular right now among the video game consort. Um, and both of those games are supposed to be great. We joked about doing an Among Us for streaming in place. Yeah. Um, when we ran out of stuff to do for, or just to do it on a whim. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but if you and if your thing can be something that requires you to not be looking at your phone, probably that's better, which is why I think my closet project on election day will Mm -hmm. be very, very helpful to me. Um, So yeah, that's what I would like find a thing and then just, just compulsively do all of that. That's healthy, right? That's, that's healthy. (laughs) Sort of healthy. (laughs) You know, it's a substitution principle. Um, Yeah. Everything's, it's going to be, it's going to be, let's just go with that. It's going to be, um, Today, I want, we're talking about, at the end of the show, Betty, which was, you know, we'll talk about in the segment, but it was a delight of a show for me to watch. It was very helpful in de-stressing me this week. So we will talk about a bit about that at the end of the show. It's been renewed for season two. It's an HBO six-episode, mm-hmm. half-hour series. Um, so we're going to talk about season one. Um, last week, we were talking about, I was talking about some of the feedback from Vince, and I had gotten the show wrong he was talking about some of these k-dramas he's been watching um hotel de luna is very good uh but that was the one he was really over the moon for that was it's okay not to be okay um he says it's hard to overstate just how effortlessly the show combines all the themes moods and plots um he's also watched a few other ones uh ranging from good uh descendants of the sun to okay something in the rain and chocolate but interestingly they all had social themes of sexual harassment psychological trauma social power structures as more or less big parts of the show and that surprised him descendants of the sun has a uh, different a different focus as it's more action oriented with four ridiculously attractive main actors and chocolate is one of the slowest shows i've ever watched sadly not only its plot but also character development especially its male lead so i will skip chocolate right now um, I think, but uh, if you're, you know, maybe some action is just what the doctor ordered. Maybe like as I'm cleaning or when I'm done cleaning and done organizing, I need to just, I still have not seen John Wick two or three. So that might be a great way to not watch the results, right? Yeah, I think that's probably an okay way. I mean, I didn't particularly like John Wick three very much. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I saw John Wick two under bad circumstances. Um, but I mean, there are worse ways to spend four hours <laughs> fair enough well listeners if you have suggestions for me please do reach out at the televerse um we have a little bit of news and you know because there's a lot of stressful things happening let's focus on some good news so the 
well, first thing is that Miracle Workers was renewed for season three at TBS, like last week, apparently. I did not see this. You saw this. Yeah, I saw it after we recorded. How? And also, yay, but also how? Is this the first show to get COVID canceled, like, after its renewal? Are we going to, like, I'm just waiting for TBS to be like, no, you don't get nice things. So, yeah, no, they're going to do season three. It's going to be set in the 1850s. So they're doing a American Wild West. Um, okay okay type of deal which i'm very excited to see with this cast um but they have a new showrunner simon rich is moving on to other projects um so he won't be involved with this simon rich is um the showrunner who adapted his own material for season one and then headed up season two so he's moving on so i'm curious about how that's going to play but yeah it was part of like just that weird and kind of surprising strand of renewables at tbs uh because they also renewed last og for a fourth season that's great yeah and i still haven't even watched season three of any of it and i need to do that before this year's over but yeah i was just kind of surprised because i figured warner was going to be just like meh Mm -hmm. whatever tbs is yeah so i don't know what's going on there um but i'm very pleased that we're going to get more miracle workers soon um, because I, I, I need it. <laughs> I'm very excited for that setting too. It's a nice way to continue to travel in time um, and explore different ideas, but to do that without, like, I think it would, just, it would be very, it, it just feels like a very deliberate, we're not going to do Blackadder while we kind of do Blackadder yeah. thing. So that's, that's, that's smart. Um, the other kind of TV news thing that I was hearing this week was some buzz about, the other Nexium documentary called Seduced, which is a four-part docu-series on stars apparently centering yes. on India Oxenberg. Yes. Which, hey, that's great. I didn't realize that she had, you know, come out the other side. So, yay. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I have not seen it. But in the discussion around that, uh, I saw, you know, because we were obviously not fans of how The Vow ended up running it's the end of its season and and everything it's first season but um maybe because that was onto my timeline but i saw a bunch of people talking about this week how keith ranieri has been sentenced to 120 years in prison so yay fuck that guy so yes any any thoughts anything you wanted to share i mean it's i mean the prison industrial complex is obviously terrible um but but I'm glad this man is not going to be part of society anymore in that sense. Um, So that's really great. Um, I just hope that they don't let him start a volleyball club. And yeah. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think that's, let's leave it there. That's great. Um, This week uh, we are going to be like, normally I do about a minute of music, but we only have about 30 seconds because was I going to use a song other than the one I picked? No, uh, because heading into our weekend TV, we're going to listen to another delightful ditty from the Amber Ruffin show, which I don't know the title of, but I'm going to just call I have a I've got a yummy, yummy brain. Um, so enjoy Amber Ruffin singing and being delightful. And we'll be right back with the rest of the show after this. I've got a yummy, yummy brain. It's the most delicious part of me. I've got a yummy, yummy brain for you. 
This can be beneficial mutually. Get started right now and be done by December. Cause this has been a year I don't want to remember. Jump in my ear, my mouth, or whatever, and freaking chop away. Call me, Mavis. That was I've Got a Yummy Yummy Brain by Amber Ruffin from The Amber Ruffin Show. So this week, we're kicking things off with October 23rd, uh, 23, 2020. Then I'll talk briefly about the Archer finale, Cold Fusion, as well as last week's uh, Rampage episode. Uh, then we have some thoughts on DuckTales, Escape from the Apossibin. Uh, and then I'll talk briefly about a West Wing special to benefit when we all vote. Uh, and then we'll round out the week with The Great British Bake Off, Pastry Week, and The Amazing Race, we're making big moves. So first up is the Amber Ruffin show. And um, just, as you said in your notes here, so much singing and gossip. Uh, the, I, I liked all of this episode, Noel, but I think the gossip has to be my favorite section. Like just like the way that Amber Ruffin says the very same. It is, it's delightful. It's very, very good. Did, did you like this? Did you enjoy this as much as I did? I really like the adaptation of what they did with the gossip segment because they had done that um, in like episode one or two, like as some sort of like a little gossip thing. Um, but I liked this format a lot more and it was much funnier and it really hit on a number of really solid beats, I think, and allowed them to like allowed Amber and Tarek to play off each other, which I thought was really, really important. And I'm glad to see them doing that more and more as they're going forward, because it really, it helps make up for the fact that they don't have an audience um, for them to bounce off of. So bouncing off each other, I think just makes a huge difference. Um, even though this show is just bonkers enjoyable. Um, but the gossip bit was really, really great. Um God, everything about a PT cruiser, just <laughs> everything about a PT cruiser was delicious. Um, yeah. So um, what else in this episode kind of stood out for you? I really enjoyed the rap, the after school rap that they did. It um, was which... so good. It was very, fun. it was very, very funny. Like watching the timing of, of the two of them as they try to like, tell how many times the hook is going to repeat and then you can and you can hear the whole crew losing it in the background i like the levels of that they made sure i don't know if they intentionally edited it down but like it's just far from the distance you could tell they're just they're trying to keep it in but by the end they just you know the end is the end you know it's just very it's it was really good um i also i mean i really loved all all of the musical numbers and i mean the naming conventions uh part of the episode was also really powerful and 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 a yes. terrific contrast too and one of those moments that gained more through the contrast um of the two you know how silly and ridiculous parts were with how you know yeah specific and pointed that segment was but no i like my only concern because you know, there was a lot of music so i just wouldn't want them to run out of musical segments um but they were all so funny i just <laughs> It was it was very very good. Yes, I. They were all my favorite parts, and all all of them were my favorite parts. Well, I've seen like um a little bit of trailer I think for this week's episode, and I think there was another musical bit. Um, I do agree with you that they're doing. They did a lot of musical bits, but they're all so good that I don't care. Um, and to your point about like the crew laughing, that has been something I've been waiting for because it's arguably my favorite thing that's happening with like 
Myers and Colbert right now is when they're just breaking up their crews. Um, Myers, I feel like, is just carrying his pandemic energy, housebound pandemic energy into the studio with him because he's just breaking at everything. Um, but I was really happy to hear the crew um, cracking up because it's become something I look forward to with these um, no audience shows that are traditionally shows that would have an audience. Um, so it makes me very happy to hear them laughing. So I've, re- I've been really happy about that. And it, you know, it's like an SNL thing where if they start like steering into that and, and breaking all the time, it will lose its effectiveness. Um, but I think they've done a good job, like with Colbert specific, like specifically bringing his wife in uh, to, to react. And you can hear, you know, the way that he's reacting to her. It's a very deliberate thing um, versus what they're doing with uh, Myers. And so the shows I look forward to seeing what happens with uh, Full Frontal now that Sam B's back in uh, the studio. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're officially back in the studio uh, as of this week. Interesting. I didn't watch this week's episode. Okay. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, hopefully they do some more of those, like they did in their last episode pre-COVID uh, official shutdown or whatever, where they had the writers write a bunch of jokes that yeah. she didn't get to see because uh, it was amazing. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and also, man, I'm just sad that Jason Jones isn't going to get a paycheck anymore. <laughs> or the kids. No, he is. He's a producer on the show, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know if these this crew, you know, Sam's now used to the highly talented and skilled uh, production team of her small children uh, running, you know, like the the mic and the, the lighting and everything. So we'll see if the crew can live up to that. Speaking of living up to that, um, we had the Archer finale this week, uh, Cold Fusion, um, and then I wanted to I watched last week's episode this week as well, uh, which was super fun because uh, this is the one where AJ gets kidnapped, and so both Archer and Lana, of course, immediately want to go on a rampage to get her back, and so Archer has to like pull back and be the the rational one because it, like to keep uh rampage lana directed in the right like areas you know uh they tease some interesting things uh interesting developments towards the end of the episode uh that i'm sure would have i mean this is episode eight i'm guessing it was supposed to originally be a 10 episode season so that would maybe paid off in the last two episodes um but we'll see the this one was very uh the finale was very um the thing there's there it's a locked door mystery you know like our you know, murder takes the bus where the, the the team goes to investigate a murder in an Antarctic scientific base and the, the science, uh, the antenna has gotten tampered with as well. So, you know, there's only so many people who could have done it and all of that. And it's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not the worst episode or worst season, I should say, of Archer. It's not the best, uh, but they did absolutely wrote me in with the thing that they're teasing um or in what it could mean so apparently i am still a sucker for their stuff but um i will keep watching but yeah it was it was fun enough even if um i you know i I still don't know that they will ever get back to their heights but you know especially this week i was looking for for fun things to watch there there were some good escapes and there were some good laughs in the archer finale um there were also 
quite a bit of excellent uh, escapist danger and fun laughs and then some not-so-fun moments in this week's episode of DuckTales, Escape from the Impossibin! Uh, what did you think of, of our episode and, you know, everything we had going on with the whole fam? The listeners, in case you didn't watch this episode, A, go watch it. B, if you haven't watched DuckTales, go watch DuckTales. If you want comfort food and something relaxing, DuckTales is perfect for you to watch right now. Um, It's just pure goodness. Um, But this episode's split between Beakley and Webby terrorizing Dewey and Louie um, in the mansion, pre- preparing them for foul to strike at any moment, and then Scrooge running Louie and um Della through all the traps that they've installed in the bin and both 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 things are just so good um like I love the whole idea of yes no we we did all these chainsaws and bus saws in purple and then did a purple uv light bulb to make them invisible it's just like that is horrible why would you do that um but at the same time, it's just such a good set piece. Um, that, but both of the, I think both of these things did a really good job of reaffirming the central thing of this episode, which is the fact that as they are much stronger together as a group, like when you split them up, they're still great. They're still kind of a borderline unstoppable force, especially, especially Webby, obviously. Um, but when they're all together, you cannot stop them. And I think the episode was a real good way of demonstrating that. Um, my only like really two last kind of stickling points here is one, my partner and I were both very, 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 very worried that Beakley was either had turned or was an impersonator in this episode. Or like mind control. They yeah. play it up to. Yeah, I, we were really, really concerned about it. Um, so we were very relieved <laughs> spoiler alert, it does not happen that way. Um, but the other thing that all I have to say to you, Kate, is that, boy, it's good they got out of the time loop trap. Boy, it's good they got out of the time loop trap. Snap out of it. Pull yourself <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah, it was delightful. It was very good. Um, yeah, it was so creative and fun. I really liked this episode. And, uh, yeah, that moment that you key into with Beakley and Webby was was the the big one for me because right. the rest of the episode is pretty much just fun um in different different ways. But having uh that moment, I was you know I was thinking exactly like you guys were. I was like, oh, she's an imposter, she's been replaced or something. Um, but then having them not do that, I thought it was really interesting. And I'm thinking maybe this means we're gonna finally get something around you know what happened to webby's parents why does she live with her her grandmother um and you know i i'm that has me excited for what's coming next because you know when the show decides it wants to take on those more serious topics you know like they did in you know season one and you know, season two with louie um uh, they've done really really well with it so i am yeah i'm cautiously very optimistic that that could be coming soon like they've teased this kind of stuff before here and there but like you said that they really highlight it in this episode they give it a lot of energy and time so yeah uh i have my fingers crossed the only other thought i had with this is that i'm glad that they aren't just diving right in with foul um i did not anticipate them doing that you know so quickly after they reveal bradford and we're just like off to the races um so i'm excited for for what's gonna come next yeah, I am too. And I'm glad we get some, we're getting more episodes sooner than either of us thought. <laughs> and actually, you know, 
as a transition, uh, uh, not a new episode like I originally thought, is the West Wing special um, to benefit when we all vote. So this dropped, you know, a few weeks back at this point, but uh, this was the HBO Max um, West Wing special benefit episode. And for whatever reason, when I heard that they were getting the cast together and doing like a reunion um, thing and they're all going to be in character and everything, I thought that it was going to be an original like episode or see like see, series of scenes or something. I did not realize that, you know, what it actually was, which is just a, a stage reading of one of the West Wing episodes, Hartsfield's Landing. So um, I, I, as soon as I found out, I was like, oh, that is much more interesting. I'm not interested in watching the characters from the West Wing all these years later and in a reality that correlates or relates to what we're dealing with now, which would mean that, like they have some sort of a Trump figure in their reality, and I don't want that for them. Um, so what I found out, oh no, it's just it's the same actors as the same characters revisiting this material all these years later. Won't it be interesting to see their take on these same lines and these same moments, but as you know, different people having had these different um, experiences over the past however many years? Uh, and I, I thought it was really terrific. Uh, of course, this is a incredibly talented cast so they're very very good at this they picked an episode that is very easy to stage um you know it's it's the one with um uh donna on the phone uh, outside of the west wing and uh the prank war between cj and charlie and the all the chess as well um so it's it's very easy for them to to stage there's just a few you know mostly it's two-person scenes um and yeah, it, I thought it, it worked really well. Of course, John Spencer has died. So they brought in Sterling K. Brown to uh, play Leo, which was really neat. It was interesting to see such a different uh, actor in that role. Um, obviously, Sterling K. Brown is, is black, but I mean, just like age-wise, to see someone so much younger um, in in that role of the, like the wise, aged, like mentor figure when like... The actor is younger than all the people playing the young, up-and-coming political minds and everything. So it, it was it was neat. And of course, he's an amazing actor. He did a really wonderful job. Um, the the I also thought it was cool that they brought on Emily Proctor to do the stage directions. They brought back all the journalists to ask the questions. It was really neat. They they did a good job of staging it. Like so, like you remember in the prank war episode, Noel, right? They they have the um. Uh, CJ like falls back out of her chair uh, with because or you know with the tries to pull the desk and it's like glued or whatever and so instead what they did this time was they had the deck desk collapse on stage and Dulé Hill had to catch the goldfish in the bowl um, as the desk gave away it was delightful super fun um they also they like brought back uh they had the inner you know some interstitials in between where they had the cast interacting and they brought in guest stars you know and famous people for that as well uh they brought back marley matlin as her character well the, the actor and the translator uh as well for one of those little interstitial things which was uh, delightful um but yeah I, I ended up actually really enjoying it i'm sure it benefited from lowered expectations but uh it was it was just very neat. It's there are not many shows that could do something I think like this and have it work in such a dynamic way. There was also like an onstage mini orchestra uh, playing the score with Snuffy Walden, uh, th- which was neat. I would have liked more scoring, 
but you know, whatever the, what we got was, was good. It was interesting. So yeah, it was fun. Uh, it's just, they're just all such good actors. Um, so it's, it's, it's really neat to see them with material. They clearly really enjoy and characters that they clearly still love. Um, but I will, I will say, pisses me off Richard Ship. like all of these actors have gone on to like at least one or two other really notable roles if not way more than that and where's where's Richard Schiff's second career defining role <laughs> uh I mean I mean yeah he works all the time and all I'm sure he works as much as he wants to be working but I want he's been on the, another high profile juicy role for him he's got a, like a regular gig on the good doctor right now doesn't he or is he off I that? said I want another high profile juicy I mean I, I haven't seen maybe it's good I you know nothing have I have seen leads me to believe I need to be making time for the good doctor in my yeah, life no sure but it's funny that um like you're telling me all about this and first I was like really kind of surprised to see that you would watch this because I figured you were gonna skip it um just given that everything oh yeah I absolutely was going yeah. to I do not need Aaron Sorkin's take okay. on all this right now I'm good okay uh, well, this reassures me because I think I might watch it based on our on you telling me about it. The one thing that I kind of like have raised a slight eyebrow at this entire thing is that they brought Emily Proctor on to do the stage directions. What was Moira Kelly responsible for, huh? What was Moira doing? Yeah, no, no Moira, no Moira Kelly. No, nope. where's Moira Kelly, huh? Huh? Nowhere. Maybe they should have brought Moira Kelly on to play Leo, but then we wouldn't have gotten started in K Brown. That would have been actually a really good idea for them to have done that. Um, and I'm now very upset that Mandy is still stuck in Mandy land. And I'm just fine with that. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, none of us really liked Mandy, but it just feels really rude to Moira Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it's not Moira Kelly's fault that none of us like Mandy. Good point. That's a good point. Um, well, Noel, if you do end up watching it, I look forward to your thoughts. I'm curious what you would think about it. Um, but let's move on to our next show, which is the Great British Bake Off, or the Great British Baking Show. And we have Pastry Week this week. And it's all, uh, we had the pasties, we had the eclairs, we had the caged tarts, which were ridiculous. Uh, what did you think? We had mostly tarts and then one, I think, Napoleon with a cage around it, um, if you want to. Yeah, no one was buying <laughs> while he was selling there. No. Um, so yeah, let's, let's start with the, um, let's start with the pasties. Um, because uh, as we were discussing a little bit earlier today, um, you and I are both big fans of hand pies. Cause they are delicious. Um, they're amazing. They're so good. Like in yeah. all forms, like, yes. um, I'm not upset that Linda made samosas. Like, oh, yeah. I know that that was not the brief. Oh, well, if she had just crimped the edges, she would have been fine. Uh, cause they said they yeah. didn't care what shape or anything. So if she made the exact same thing and just crimped the edges, she would have been fine. But she didn't, and she just made samosas. Which, um, which yeah, fair enough, but they sounded delicious. No, that, well, that's the thing, is, like, everyone did generally pretty good-sounding samosas. Uh, not samosas, um, pasties. Um, like, I know some of them played real safe and traditional, so we had, like, some leeks and cheddars. Um, but you know what? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, and that's how I feel about, like, they learned their lessons from the brownies. <laughs> If it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, and brownies are not broken. <laughs> I don't know why you were all trying to fix them last week. Um, so I think that generally that challenge went really well. It was really interesting, however, to watch them just go, I don't know what to do with eclairs. Um, it's just like, oh, oh, like most people were really kind of struggling, which I was really surprised by. Um, in part because it's just like, 
I'm sure eclairs are hard to make. However, they are still made of things that this show traditionally has people make at some point. You had a creme pat and you've got a, um, a shoe pastry. These are like cornerstones of this show that you should come prepared knowing how to do. Um, Caramel is always just going to be a fickle pain in the ass. So I don't really expect anything from that. But it was rough watching folks just go, yeah, no, this isn't baking. It was rough watching Linda basically make churros without frying them. Um, And then just everyone's like uh, Lottie's creme pat just splitting um, was real rough. But yeah. Um, How did she feel about these first two before we go to the showstoppers? I have a grand theory of Bake Off technicals, and that is if everyone messes it up, like if, if like no one really achieves what they're supposed to, the it's the producer's fault. Like so either that's a fair instructions yeah. or they didn't have enough time. But like so if, if like half the cast figures out, then you're fine. Or if like a third even, but if no one really nails it, and especially something like Eclairs that they most of them have made uh, shoe pastry before, mo- most of them you know, know how to make an eclair. So it, the fact that they were that bad, I chalk that up to the, the, like the producers. Um, and so my theory is that they just, they're, they needed more time because there was enough time to do everything that they asked for if everything went right, but there wasn't enough time to fix something. Okay. Interesting. So as soon as people started having trouble early on, like Linda and Mark both had trouble with their shoe pastry, like the dough and Mark just kept going. Um, and Linda tried to go back and fix hers and both of them, neither was the correct answer, right? By the time their pastry dough was messed up there, uh, it was too late. Um, so, you know, and, and then people had trouble with the creme pat. And if your creme pat splitter with scrambled eggs or, you know, these different things that people were not happy with, there wasn't time to like scrap it and start over and still finish everything else that they were asking people to do. Like the, the, the icing and everything, they were expecting really finessed, detailed piping and everything. And they didn't even approach that because they all ran out of time. So for me, yes, they should have been able to you really succeed at this technical, but the fact that they didn't and they all messed up to such an extent, really, I think I don't really put that on the bakers so much. Like, uh, you know, like there's been a few times that the technical has, has just been bombed. And usually when that happens, I think that's for reasons outside of the bakers. Well, not their control, but like outside of the purview of the bakers is yeah. not their fault for that, in my opinion. So that's what, so that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah, and I think that there's a certain point in which that is a, um, like, it's a pedagogical thing almost, right? Of, well, if everyone failed this test, then either I wrote it poorly or all of them didn't study. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of need to figure out which it is. Um, And yeah, no, I can see what you're saying about, like, the timing in particular. Like, there, there was basically no window. And that was something I hadn't thought of about this. Um, but even the folks who did well in this particular one sort of still made like bars almost instead of eclairs just because of how dense and long they were. Um, like I swear, like one of those caramel, one, someone's caramel, um, eclairs just look like donut bars, which I'm not knocking because I love like long johns. Yes, exactly. A long john. Is that what they're called? They're just called bars up here. Um, but long johns. Yes, exactly. Um, which are delicious, and I love them very much. 
but they're not eclairs. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, it was just, I think it was a timing thing, but I also think, I mean, this is something I, um, texted you while I was watching this episode was, um, that I think that, or no, I texted it to you about the brownies, I think, of just, I think that the filming schedule is starting to wear on all of them. Um, and it's starting to affect their bakes and how well they're feeling and doing because they're filming this under ridiculous circumstances um, for this show. It's not ridiculous circumstances for other like long-term cooking reality shows, um, but it's ridiculous for this show. And on top of the pandemic and everything, it's just, it's a lot going on. And I have to imagine that all the bakers are starting to like really feel that now, um, especially like, as we're getting into things real far along. So I feel like that's sort of what's happening there. Um, so that leaves us with the cages, um, which honestly, my favorite thing about all of this was the whole thing about Nick Cage. Because <laughs> um, A, I love Nick Cage, but B, I thought that was a really good bit. But the other thing about it is that it just called attention to how really kind of stupid this was. Um, like, it's cool. It's neat. And I like seeing what people were trying to do. Like, Laura's whole deal was just ridiculous. It was really good. It was very pretty. Um, but it also just felt really silly. Um, because who serves a tart like this? Who? I love that the, um, who's it, Hermine? Um, and there was one other baker too. They were like, this is dumb. Why are we doing, like, why, what's the, the whole point of a tart is it's supposed to be pretty. So yes. why would you cover it? Right, exactly. Even with something you can see through. Why would you cover it? Um, so I do agree that there's a there's good points of drama in terms of doing those uh, b- um, Lottie and Mark C K the doing the two pyramids. Oh, Dave. Dave. Oh, it was Dave. See, okay. Um, doing the two pyramid structures, I think, provides a bit of drama to it. But the rest of them were just like. Yeah, no, we all know this is kind of silly, so we're going to do stuff. Like, I appreciated that some folks, like, tried to make a bottle, which I thought was a really cool concept, but I that I was very upset did not come together, because I really wanted to see that. Um, but I was just like, this is not a thing. Why are we doing this? This is not a thing. Um, how did you feel about this? Yeah, I was fine with it. Yes, it's ridiculous, but, like, eh. To me, it's no more ridiculous than the many other ridiculous things they've had to make on this show. Um, So the fact that it doesn't really contribute to the tart um, doesn't didn't really bother me because, like, basically, they've just done tarts too many times. They need something a little more challenging. And I would rather them do something like this than try to then, like, find a more obscure tart that nobody actually wants to eat, you know. But I mean, I hear what you're saying, but. I don't know. I was okay with it. I think that my issue with it is like asking them to build like a self-portrait out of bread or um, do the celebrity cake thing, which I think is getting way too much flack. Um, even if they're not particularly good, they're I don't really care about that. Um, but th- all of those things I think have like places within this idea of like, what cooking can do kind of thing or how to best display what that ingredient can do, right? Or what that thing can do. Like cake can be molded into something. This is 2020. Everything is cake. Remember that for a very brief moment when everything was cake this year, like 80 years ago? Um, 
But you're making tarts and you're hiding them. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Um, so I don't think that the show is broken by any stretch of the imagination. My issue is that this, the, 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 the cage doesn't do anything for the tart, which is what they're making. That's what bothers me about it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It just, it just doesn't bother me. But I, for whatever reason, I'm surprisingly chill about this season of Bake Off. <laughs> yeah, you're very chill about it. Part of my brain is like, why isn't Kate angrier about this? And then it's just like, Kate's angry about too many other things right now. No, Bake Off doesn't matter as much. <laughs> <laughs> that that is yeah, that's the truth. In any yeah. other year, Kate would be feeling you <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've certainly mellowed over the years on like what I expect from the show and from the challenges and stuff. But uh, I thought the tarts all looked amazing. I wanted to eat all of them. Like I wanted to eat all of the pasties. They all looked amazing. I didn't want to eat any declares, but I wanted to eat all of those tarts. They looked ridiculous. And yeah, it was, I described it. This episode is tantalizing. This is definitely the most tantalizing episode of the season so far. I wanted to just eat all of it. Yes. No, they all did. Even Lottie's not not a tart tart. What did you think about uh, Linda's elimination? I mean, like, it was it was rough, but I mean, it was definitely Linda. It was a rough, rough week for her. I felt really, really bad for her. Um, and like you point out in your review, it's kind of ridiculous that the judges are like, well, this person's definitely in the bottom, and maybe this person is a contender for being in the bottom, but it's just like, folks, we all know it's Linda. <laughs> Stop dragging this out. I I look forward to your thoughts on the next one. The next episode is Jap, uh, Japanese Week, and I thought it was really... They do well, and, and it was very charming. So I will look forward to talking about that one um, next time. But uh, let's go over to our next episode, which is The Amazing Race. And uh, we're making big moves. So we saw some, you know, we are in a W turn this episode. We had um, some, some gameplay and strategy play in. and. Yeah, what did you think? I think that they're only being too user and all ga- all game. Hopefully, is something that they're going to stick to. In part because the yield sort of like still kind of f- can fulfill that purpose. And I was actually talking with a friend of the show, Corey Barker, whose knowledge is stupidly encycl- encyclopedic. Because when I was telling him about this, he was just like, "Wait, they did yields already," and I just went, "Did they?" And they did. Yields were actually a thing for the first twelve seasons. And then they dropped them in favor of doing the U-turn. And then they brought them both back. Uh, then they bought the yield back and the U-turn for this season. Um, so I was, and I was just like, wow, okay. And admittedly, I never really started watching this show until I think you and I started recording. So I've only been on this boat for like five years or so. Um, but I was just like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Um, so we should <laughs> we should acknowledge that since we made a big deal about the yields last Oops, <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, anyway, what I'm mostly kind of interested in, at least within this episode in particular, is that not only did the U-turns get used, but they got used twice. And in one instance, they got used really like gameplay focused um, based on events from the previous episode. But the other thing with that is just the sheer amount of cooperation that's happening so quickly, so early, and is really doing a lot to like divide the field real cleanly. Um, And I don't 
really like it very much um, from a television, like an entertainment perspective of watching five teams just go like, we got this and leaving everyone else just scattered to the wind. Well, except that it doesn't Um, work. And well, that's the thing is like you watch it for the first half and then it just kind of slowly crumbles because none of these people know to read the fucking clue anymore. Um, which was a thing last week and was a big thing this week. Um, which is easy enough to overlook in this kind of a challenge of go buy all this stuff and then get it checked. Um, and when you see bring all your possessions with you, it's easy to discount that. However, <laughs> read your clue. Um, well, and then make sure that you actually have all of your groceries when you're on the boat. Like, you know, some, some of them just like got their groceries and then got back to the boat. And like, oh, we need all these other things. Yeah, you need to have all of the groceries. Yeah. It's just, it was really bonkers watching everyone kind of flail around in this one um, to get to the second half of everything. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the gameplay aspect of it. And I'm really curious to see if that's going to like start to crumble um, within the next couple of episodes um, as the field gets a lot smaller because we're down to eight teams now. Um, But we're also going to start hitting some non-elimination legs as well. Um, which is going to start making a difference as well, because they're only doing 12 legs this season. Um, So we'll see. Um, How are you feeling about, like, all of this, about the W-turn in an effort to totally sabotage a team that did not exist (laughs) for the show's narrative in any way, shape, or form? Like, again, Jerry and Frank, I kept forgetting they were on the show because the show gave them nothing. Yeah, it was it was rough because, you know, I mean, I get it from a player point of view. It's the you know, it's I it's a it's a move, a smart move to make if they want to know that it won't come back to bite them. But I mean, as a, so as a player, the logic and the strategy makes Absolutely. sense. But as a viewer, you just feel like you're watching a team get kicked while they're down because uh, like they, they're already. Yes. Pick a team, you know, is behind you. But do you have to pick a team, you know, is like an hour behind mm-hmm. you? It's just yeah, you know, it was just rough. Especially, you know, they go and they knock out the cooking challenge, but then to have them have to go back and do the the other one as well. Like, if they had been able to, if they had done the other order, I think it wouldn't have bothered me as much. If they had like power through the building and then they got to go to the cooking and but be around people and in a more cheerful setting and not out in the sun and everything, it would have maybe even felt a little better. But no, it just at a certain point it starts to feel punitive, and there's no way to to watch this and not be viewing it with the the lens of race because of, you know, Alana and Leo's decision last week being blatantly motivated by racial uh, bias, even, you know, if it's uh, like unintentional. And yeah. then here we have the team that they saved last time, knocking out the other <laughs> all black team um, in the competition. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's frustrating and it's definitely going to shape how I, you know, watch uh, the the rest of the season. Um, it's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to shape what's happening over the course of the season. At least that, that group of five teams that are, you know, theoretically have um, a, like a, an alliance or whatever. Um, there's some diversity within that group. 
which is good because uh, that's what ends up happening. If people are only helping the teams that they like that seem the most like them in whatever way, you end up with teams that are very similar. And that's not interesting to watch because um, they don't bring different experiences and different perspectives to the challenges. So they just it gets very boring. So I would expect that the, the Lions stuff will start to break down because there's just not enough teams left. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because they can't the like the five the five team block that they've got going on right now isn't sustainable um, past maybe this next leg, um, depending on a the challenges, but b what they're going to do. I mean, they they were really good at like just helping one another out this leg. Um, but that's just going to have to start to collapse, like you said. Um, but this is also the reason why, like, I only kind of want there to be another U-turn because I, I kind of, I really actively don't like how it was used here. Um, so having discussed all this, do you have like a team, particular team that you're like invested in at this point? We're three legs in. Um, for the parents, um, who did, who like won the first Okay, two? yeah. Hung, hung. Hung and Chi, yeah. Hung and Chi, yeah. I, I I like them. Yeah, they they did they came in first for the first two and second in this one, uh, just because Will and James just smoked everything um, in this episode. It was a little ridiculous how they just blazed through it. But like you said, they don't they didn't have to go all the way back, um, so that makes a big difference. I'm with you. I think Hung and Chi are sort of the team I'm most interested in right now. I do really enjoy the uh, volleyball brothers. Um, and the uh, NFL stars are also delightful. Um, but yeah, the Hung and Chi are sort of the team I'm quietly rooting for at this point. <laughs> yeah, I like the Volleyball Brothers too. There's some other ones that I enjoy and there's a few I look, you know, I'm not necessarily rooting for. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the season. So uh, what was your week in TV? Uh, so I have started watching uh, Queen's Gambit, but I've only watched an episode and a half. Um, and the first episode is aggressively piloty setup type stuff, including we're going to start in the show's contemporary period, which is 1967, and then do a big flashback. And then the entire show is apparently just a long flashback to get up to that point, I guess, which is not my favorite uh, structuring type of deal. But I'm willing to power through it because I really like Anna Taylor-Joy a lot in general. Um, but the first episode's fine, but... Um, I'm enjoying the second episode a bit more. So I'll have more to say about Queen's Gambit uh, next week, hopefully when I've watched a few more. I'm not going to watch it all at once, though, is what I've decided. Um, unless my partner, I just end up going blazing through it. Um, so what one's my week this week? I think is going to be the Amber Ruffin show. Um, yeah, I think it's the Amber Ruffin show because that was just fantastic. I really enjoyed that episode. What about you? Yeah, I think I'll give it to uh, either Amber Ruffin show as well, or maybe um, DuckTales. But but yeah, no, I think Amber Ruffin show because uh, <laughs> uh, you know the I just can't get over the gossip. It's just, it's it's very very good. You know I like my popcorn, so it's, it's mm-hmm. I just need to get the necklace and then the glasses, and I'm out, I am all set. Um, now we will take a break, listen to a trailer for season one of HBO's Betty, and we'll be right back with our season spotlight. Oh, I love. Yo, Farouk, who is that? That's Indigo. 
Have you ever skated before? No? Well, maybe I can teach you how. <laughs> I love you. You have the jerk? Mm-hmm. Your jerk. <laughs> some kind of fucking mission. This girl has been talking shit and I'm trying to find her. Oh, hell no. We're about to mob, yo. We need to get out of here. We need to go. I thought it was her birthday. It is. Yo, you following me? You need to watch your mouth. Go the fuck home. That was a trailer for season one of HBO's Betty. And this is a teen, are they supposed to be teens or 20-somethings uh, comedy or slice of life series about um, a, a group of of women who are skateboarders, which apparently the, the, the term is Betty or Betty's um, mm-hmm. in New York. And, you know, just this, this circle of friends and acquaintances kind of dealing with various, you know, parts of their life right now and, uh, and you know, dating and, uh, you know, family issues and money issues and deciding kind of who they want to be. Um, I did, this is, sort of spun off from a feature uh, a movie called skate kitchen from 2018 this is the it was the series was created by crystal moselle um and she's the creator of the 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 movie as well uh and it's with a lot of the same cast but i think playing different characters albeit similar ones i could be wrong about that i think they're mostly playing the same characters in a lot of instances okay i think they're mostly playing the same characters okay um but they are mostly non-actors uh, who Moselle, um, you know, got to know and worked with for the film and then the, the show. So uh, it, it is, uh, I think, absolutely delightful. And I'm very glad we watched it. And I really enjoyed my time with Betty. What, what did you think about it? So I think this is, it, this did not hit with me particularly hard, which is okay. fine. Like, that's okay. Um a lot of that is just I have like 
a character like Kurt in terms of that stoner, half stoned always mm-hmm. or always deeply stoned type of character never really hits with me. Um, so a little bit of a barrier there. Um, but I do think that the show as a whole is really, really good. Um, even if I don't have like a particularly strong response to it. Um, I do think it's really well made. I think it's really kind of whip smart in a lot of places. Um, and I like like large, like I like all the episodes. Um, my weirdly, my biggest thing is why are there episodes and why is this not a two hour movie mm-hmm. is sort of like my biggest issue with this show. Um, because in this whole age of everything's a movie, this is very much should have just been a movie. <laughs> Um, I feel there are very clear like act breaks, and I think it's structured to be a TV show. But I also think that based on aesthetics, based on approaches, based on narrative, you can turn this, you can watch this all in one sitting as a two-hour movie, and I don't think you lose anything from it. Or um, as a three-hour movie, three-hour. Well, no, because it's it's, it's six, six half-hour episodes. Yeah, so three hours. Three hours. Sorry, a three-hour yeah. movie. Yeah. In my brain, I still had all the episodes it's like Oh, having commercials. Minutes. Yeah. Having yeah, commercials. They're and 22 stuff. to like 28 minutes long. Yeah. There's there's some so, range there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's bad brain on my part. But my I think my point still stands. Mm. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um so I, I do think that this is something that's worth seeking out. Um and I do like I do really actively like it. It just didn't hit me quite as hard as I was sort of hoping it was going to. But again, that's okay. It doesn't matter that it didn't hit me particularly hard because it is still really well made. And this cast is really, really good. Um, as you noted, most of these folks are uh, non-actors, but they're almost all of them are like vloggers or um, they, they're used to being in front of a camera. So that makes a huge difference in terms of what we get to see and what they get to do and how we respond to it and everything. Um, so, and I think that everything that's, like written for them works really really well um but it also has that air of improvisation to it uh which i also actively enjoy so yes i think this is very good um it just didn't particularly like resonate as hard with me as i was expecting it to but like i've said eight times that doesn't really matter because the show overall is very good okay yeah no i liked it a lot more than you did i think and i am I'm not all that interested in a two hour version of this. I'm much more interested mm-hmm. in it as a TV show where you're just kind of hanging out with the characters and spending that time and watching them. Like, cause I, I would, I'm not all that interested in one storyline over two hours or like mm-hmm. a central character and a couple characters also go like having subplots that intersect. I liked getting the spotlight episodes that we got. Um, I liked getting to to track some of them as they're making decisions, and as yeah. as you're yelling at your, as I'm yelling at the screen. Oh my god, Bambi's such a dick. <laughs> and I think a lot of those choices, like a lot of the like the character arcs here, and even the spotlight things, I think can still work in a two hour version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because the show's structure and style um, is so slice of life and so so vignette heavy Mm -hmm. that I still feel like you could tell a really cohesive narrative within a two to three hour movie. Um, 
all in one. Um, but I get your point regarding like losing those spotlights, but I still think it would mostly work. Um, but, okay. I'm, it could. I think this yeah. is better. I think this is more yeah. interesting. We just okay. disagree and that's okay. Yeah. That's um, weird. I'm not used to that and I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> but like, I really liked s- slipping into the pace of this show mm-hmm. and of these characters. And you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast about how, how much I appreciated having this to watch this week. And it's because it is overall a super chill show. Its vibe is very relaxed. Like, so the characters are dealing with some serious stuff, but the show, you know, like you just watch them kind of sit with it and think about it as opposed to being very, um, you know, it, it it's, it is a more reflective show. It is less, action oriented it is less interested in confrontation even when confrontation is happening and mm-hmm. so it was a very relaxing world to kind of immerse in if you wanted to or were willing to um to do that if you're looking to do that so it was a it was very much a surprise to me because like i said i haven't seen the film um and i didn't really know anything about this show i, did, I think i had even forgotten i think in front of the show Alison shoemaker told us that it was about skateboarders mm-hmm. but i think I, I had even forgotten that part of it so you're just kind of watching these women try to have the season the series starts with they're they're trying to do an all-girl skate sesh because it's a very male-dominated skateboarding scene and certainly like the places in their community in their neighborhood where you can skate it's all guys uh, with just a couple women um so they have to deal with stuff that they shouldn't have to so they're trying to bring more women into skating uh and i think for me that that deliberate pacing was a lovely change of pace in 2020 and in this part of 2020 um yeah did you have a character or a performance that you were particularly drawn to or that spoke to you more? Well, I think that generally, like, Kurt is like a character type, is that that stoner type of character that I tend not to respond to in most mm-hmm. narrative. Um, so that's nothing against, like, the show or anything, or even Nina Moran's performance, which I think is really good in this vein. Um, it's just not a character type I really actively respond to. But I think everyone else... Um, Character-wise, I really kind of just immediately kind of key on really nicely. Um, so I think Janae, Honeybear, um, Indigo, and Camille just all hit in really good ways. Um, and so when you're talking about like the pace in particular, like that it was one of those instances of particularly like in the first episode, I think this is a really good example of where I kind of get split on the show is that there's that scene with them basically hotboxing themselves in the van in the first episode um, that I actively hate. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because there's I don't really find anything that's happening in that scene particularly interesting. I, I just find stoner conversations generally pretty boring anyway. But you compare that to the liveliness and the exploration of the mall that Janae and Camille go through to find Camille's backpack um, and those weird little tangents that they go as they explore the mall. I love that. Like, that's just beautiful. Um, and it's very, for me, it's very like Wong Kar Wai-esque, um, down to the use of the mall, but also just this kind of very episodic thing, even within like a larger like vignette. Um, so I think that there's just a lot of like really good stuff there 
that I really did actually really, really like. Um, but it, every time they cut back to the van, I just went, no, go back to the mall. <laughs> um, let's go to the mall, everybody. Um, <laughs> thank you. That was excellent. <laughs> um, I do still so, have my Robin Sparkles costume from, from college. I have the wig, I have the jean jacket and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of like characters to really kind of answer your question, um, I really like Janae and I really like Dee Dee Lovelace's uh, performance. I think it's really good. And she arguably gets one of the meteor um, storylines of the of the whole show, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she hits that whole arc really, really nicely. And we can dig into that in a second. Um Everyone else, I feel like, is sort of, like, set up mostly to be, like, if we get a second season, we'll explore these concepts more. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly with Indigo. Um, I was just like, there's a lot we should be doing with this character and with her whole situation that we are not doing. And I really want to figure out what's going on. Um, but it also very much feels like a... We came up with a very strong through line for this season with introducing people to this world and then tying it into larger discussions about um, sexism, chauvinism, and Me Too. Um, and we'll dial everything else a little bit, bit back to really bring all of that to the forefront. Um, and I think on the whole, that works and works really well. And Janae gets like the best bit of that, arguably. Um but that's just how I was kind of feeling about it. So what about you? Were there particular characters for you that were standing out? Um, I, I think actually for me, I really like the whole ensemble. I think that they did a good yeah. job of playing them off of each other. The entire cast is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and like different pairings, bringing out different things. Um, so that, that was super fun. Uh, I really liked Honey Bear. And we mm-hmm. just get the beginning of her story. Really? We get yes. like, I think I thought we got just the right amount of her home life. And her dad and her grandma um, mm-hmm. to give us the context we need for everything else. Yes. But I really enjoyed that performance. And yes, it's stuff we've seen before, but I thought it was done in, in a really fun and interesting way. And I liked um, particularly when the way that they have Honey Bear be the one to let Janae know what's going on with Donald and how that like kind of that information that just the two of them have um, and the others don't feeds through really nicely in the group scenes as Janae is trying to, you know, find a vet and everything. Um, and the way that they handled the Janae and Donald uh, conversations and, and set up was difficult and appropriate. It was appropriately difficult. And um, I really like you just, you watch their second to last scene together and just, it just crushes you. And then, yes, and, and so then, and I liked that they did not then follow it up with something other, some, anything bigger than the scene we get with her deleting, you know? And mm-hmm. and then that is such a quiet moment and such a deliberate, deliberate moment. I really appreciated. Um, I also, I, I had trouble with the, some of the Camille and Bambi stuff because I kept waiting for something terrible to happen in those scenes. Yes, and, and yes. so listeners, if you're going to watch Betty, we've been I've been kind of stepping around some of what happens in the series in the season, um, because in case people haven't seen it, like we, you know, had heard very yeah. little talk about it. Um, I want you to check it out uh, and just know going in, similar to our conversation last time about what the Constitution means to me, know going in 
that nothing terrible happens to Camille and nothing terrible happens to any of these characters. Um, you know, like things may have happened to them, um, at various points, but like they are not in tremendous danger. Yeah. Pretty much any time in the the season. Um, and if I had known that I could have relaxed a little bit more and appreciated what they were doing in those scenes. I was just super stressed out anytime uh, Camille was uh, with Bambi in anything less than a completely public setting because he's yeah. so obviously so sketch. Um, <laughs> he's so obviously such a piece of crap. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he did totally right forget kind. that she was in jail. Yeah. So. I mean, and just the right kind of that to for her to get taken in by it. I yes. loved when there's like, what was it about this guy? He's like, well, he seems so smart. And, and who was it? And it was really, really Bambi seemed smart to you. He, of all the, like, he's such an intellectual of all the things you could have said you went with smart. That is absurd. Lady, look at yourself. That is dumb. Uh, it's very, very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you have any other parts of this that like, you had trouble with or that didn't speak to you as, as strongly as the rest? Um, nothing in particular. Like, I mean, a lot of it just is I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so like getting high in the park, just no. And I know I sound like I'm really harping on the pop thing, but it's such a, like, for me as like a narrative type thing, it makes sense within like a very similitude thing. So I roll with it, but it's just, it's never particularly compelling on screen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that there's like lots of room to kind of explore in another season. Um, I do agree with you. Everything with Bambi and Camille, like I was very stressed when they were that entire like episode where she just spends the entire thing in her apartment, in his apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what is happening right now? Something get out of here. Mm-hmm. You in danger girl. Um, He's using you as an ottoman. This is yeah. what he thinks of you. Yes, exactly. It's just like this is very presumptive. Don't don't do this. Don't be impressed by his his DVD collection that you keep calling CDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, don't be impressed by this. Um, I do agree with you about Honey Bear's family that that is exactly the right amount for everything that we need. Um, and I do like that we get resolution with Honey Bear's primary storyline that mm-hmm. comes out. Um, within this, uh, because I think the character, the other character in that is really, really great. Um, and I'm, I want to see more of that. Um, but like I said, I really want a lot more from Indigo's situation. Um, because I think that there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Socially and economically. That is, that the show, again, is not interested in right now because of what they're actively interested in. Um, but it just, I feel like it's going to open up a, it opens up a lot of avenues for them to start thinking about more aggressively. Um, but also to your point about the, um, they're never really in any danger. The reveal of Carl, I think is excellent. Um, but also is exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I'm not angry at being right about that either. Um, because anything more than, and every anything more than what they actually do here would not have fit this show in any way, shape, or form. Um, but the actual result of it, I think, is really delightful. Um, and I was very pleased with the series of both 
intentional fake outs and unintentional fake outs <laughs> that occur as a result of the Carl storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very good. The, yeah, the way that they edited and handled that thing with the car is very, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I was just like, like the eventual solution of the coat is like you have things like that in your home that you don't. Yes. Exactly. How did you not immediately go to that, you know? Um, so, and how that also raises the, for me the question of how old are these characters supposed to be? So, yeah. And I really do legitimately think they're supposed to be in their late teens, um, yeah. early 20s at the very, very most, because a couple of them have like jobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're definitely at least 18. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're uh, Indigo is anyway, if they're going off to do modeling. Yeah. Um, though also may, I don't know that that place really cared. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, there's that, but like, I, I'm curious about like who seems to be living by themselves, who yeah. seems to not have a place to stay, who, you know, who's living with their parents. There's, I have, I have questions about some of that, but, yeah, um, I think that's fair. I look forward to seeing what season two will bring. Yeah, I do too. Like, I know that this is not a show that, like, I'm, like, super gung-ho about, but I do think that a season two just provides them so much room to grow. Mm -hmm. And I do actively want to see that, um, in part because this cast, like you said at the top, is just, this ensemble is really, really good. And for a group of non-professional actors as well, you kind of can't tell for large swatches of it that they're not professional actors or that they haven't really received a good deal of training. Um, and again, that goes back, I think, to a lot of them just being very comfortable on camera and then being very comfortable with the material that they have, which speaks, I think, also to the sheer amount of trust that they have with Moselle that they probably established when Moselle shot um, Skate Kitchen. Yeah. Um, two other things I need to mention. Yes. Loved the cameo in the last episode. <laughs> it could I have was been wondering if you were going to pick up on that or not. I thought it was delightful as well. That was great. <laughs> and then loved the, the final shot of the season. Such the final shot is great, right? Yeah. yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? No, because you took one of mine. <laughs> you took the cameo bit. Um, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I assume that at the 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 girl skate sesh, uh, I assume that there are some cameos there too, and I just don't know them. Yeah, but sure. you know, listeners, you can let us know if you've seen Betty. Um, well, that wraps up our season spotlight on Betty season one. You can find it on HBO, HBO Max. Um, so you know, let us know, listeners, if you've checked it out. Um, but a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us uh, up in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews both places. If you do leave a rating review, let us know so we can thank you. Um, and then, of course, uh, my AV Club write- recaps of uh, the Great British Baking Show go go up each Friday around noon central and so you can check those out and we are both on Twitter I am at the televerse and Noel you are at Noel RK thank you so much for a great discussion this week Kate thank you Noel and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse (laughs) 